This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Oh, a tough one to come off of as the Atlanta Falcons come into Raymond James Stadium and hand the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back-to-back home defeats. A last-second field goal from Young Wake, who 51 yards out, has won the game 16-13, and we're here to recap what happened, analyze it, give you some highlights, give you some post-game interviews, and I have a special guest coming up uh, as well to give you much more insight. It is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. I am the somewhat competent, somewhat rested host. Quick turnaround, quick turnaround off the Falcon loss. We're here on Nothing But Bucks in the post-game recap mode uh, as we get ready for this matchup with the Buffalo Bills coming Thursday. We're going to be right back recapping a Thursday night game in Buffalo. We look forward to that. Uh, That will be Thursday evening just after 8 Eastern time. So as we release this podcast here on Monday, you don't have to wait but about 72 more hours, Buccaneer fans, before we're back off the tough defeat. But in any event, I know it was not easy. Thank you for finding us. However, you've done so on the Buccaneers mobile app, Buccaneers.com, the uh, podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, any of your podcast platforms where you're finding nothing but bucks. Thank you for doing that here on the uh, on the latest edition. So, again, I, I wish this was better today. Certainly a winnable game, certainly a game at home that you're favored in, in the division against a very beatable team. A team, frankly, that I believe roster versus roster that you're better than, but they don't play it on paper. They don't play it with an analytics computer. They play it on the field. Who makes the plays? Who makes the plays when the game matters? And in the end, that's what the Atlanta Falcons were able to do on this Sunday. It was just a it was a gorgeous Sunday, 80 degrees Sunday, a little hot down on the field, probably 85 uh, for a lot of that first half of the game for the early start uh, playing against the Falcons in this in this rivalry matchup. We knew Atlanta was coming off of a loss themselves to the Washington Commanders coming in at three and three on the year. Buccaneers again trying to snap a two game home losing streak. Uh, when you take into account the bye week, th- this team had won one game with the New Orleans Saints, had had two losses to Philadelphia and Detroit, and had a bye. So you need to get the winning rhythm back. Need to need to find a way to get the rhythm back. And one thing that we're going to talk about as this podcast unfolds, including with Rock Riley, he's going to be my guest here at the end. Rock is is virtually a thirty year media member in this Tampa Bay uh, market, radio, TV. You know him in the Tampa Bay area from his days for uh, close to fifteen years on Bay News Nine. Uh, with the uh, Sports Connection show that was on weeknights, TV talk show essentially for half hour uh, every uh, night on Bay News 9. Uh, Rock has been in the market on radio as well. He's got the Rock Stops Here podcast. Rock and I are going to talk about why is this offense not succeeding? Why is the run game not succeeding? Uh, What positives can you glean here as you get ready to play Thursday? And what big of a challenge is that? So he and I are going to talk about all of those things. But This was a very winnable game. That's what makes it even more frustrating. This was not the Detroit Lions or the Philadelphia Eagles, which, by the way, the Eagles still look uh, tremendous off of Sunday night football. I don't know what happened to the Lions against the Ravens in a total no-show. Where was that Detroit team in the first half in Tampa against the Creamsicle Orange Buccaneers? I don't know. But Lamar Jackson carved them up. The Ravens blew them out. Welcome to the NFL from week to week. uh, That's for sure. But anyway... A frustrating Sunday against, uh, again, an Atlanta team with a second-year quarterback in Desmond Ritter who has been a turnover machine. Uh, I know they've won a couple of games, but he was bad in the in the second half of the game with Washington. You felt like there were going to be chances to get takeaways, and there were in this game. But again, credit Atlanta because they made plays when they had to make plays. So let's get into it. We've got highlights. We've got post-game interviews. 
again in October Sunday, back at home, second straight week at home, trying to take advantage of your home games. Unfortunately, the Atlanta Falcons were the ones taking advantage of it because after the Buccaneers got the ball and uh, got an early first down, they had to punt the ball away. Well, that led Atlanta on a drive where they are able to march 58 yards in eight plays. And as we go to the highlights from Mean Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore, and yours truly with uh, with Buccaneers Radio, 98 Rock, our flagship station, and all the Buccaneer radio affiliates, as well as the Buccaneers mobile app, you're going to hear the highlight calls. Here is how the Falcons took the lead early on in this game. Shotgun formation, and the ball, a play action fake by Ritter, running to his left. He will score an Atlanta Falcon touchdown. Desmond Ritter in his second year, his first full year as a starter, has his third career rushing touchdown. Read option with Desmond Ritter coming around the end and getting in the end zone for the two-yard touchdown run, and that read option would be effective for them as the game would wear on. Now, interesting, their first-round pick out of Texas, the running back Bijan Robinson, did not play at all, never saw the field on the opening drive for them for the touchdown that they scored there. We later found out he had been feeling ill under the weather. We don't know what that means. He was never on an injury report on Friday or Saturday uh, for the final injury report. Um, But ultimately, Arthur Smith, their coach, said at halftime uh, to Fox Sports and to the Falcons radio broadcast, he's not feeling well. That's why we're not playing him very much. Still, Atlanta able to go down the field, able to get the touchdown. Now, if you're the Bucs, what do you need to do? You need to respond. So later in that first quarter, you are able to respond. You get a couple of plays going. You get the ball near midfield. You get a couple of first downs. And finally, you're looking for a shot to Mike Evans here. Do something to enthuse the crowd. Do something to energize yourselves and get on the scoreboard, and you got it right here. Second down, 10. Rashad White now in the backfield. Baker maybe throws a sideline route. Outfield, pull-up, ball to the five. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. A point away from tying this game. That's a 40-yard touchdown pass to Evans uh, and that gets the game retied with the extra point. That's the 86th touchdown of Mike's career, his 85th uh, touchdown receiving in his career. That's 18th on the all-time list, and he just continues to uh, pile up the accolades on all-time Buccaneer lists and moving up on NFL lists as well. And you really felt at that stage being down there on the sideline, all right, now now the game is back on. Each team's gotten a touchdown. Now let's see if the Buccaneer defense can tighten up. Let's see if the offense can go get another touchdown, really get some rhythm, get something going. But it it just was not the case uh, on this Sunday where you could ever really get into uh, any kind of rhythm. The Falcons... Uh, did get the ball. They did go on another march. They were able to get a couple of completions. They were able to run the ball with Tyler Algier. They get into scoring range, and Young Way Koo kicked a 24-yard field goal where the Bucks again played bend but don't break, uh, and they're able to hold the Falcons to only a field goal. Buccaneers then respond themselves with a 76-yard drive, 15 plays, and this was, again, something that showed up really the last uh, game with Detroit, but all the way back to the Monday night game with Philadelphia. When you get in the red zone, you need touchdowns. And you were not able here in the second period to cash in. You're down 10-7. You're trying to move the ball. And I'm looking back on that 15-play drive as you march into scoring range. You you get inside 
uh, the Falcon 10-yard line with a first down after Rashad White makes the catch and run and goes for 22 yards. The first down play, Baker Mayfield takes a sack. He, he falls on the ball, so now it's second and goal from the 11. He's trying to find Mike Evans uh, in the left flat. There wasn't much there. Evans was well defended. It's incomplete. Now it's third and goal from the 11, which can be tough. He finds Rashad White for five yards. Rashad's trying to make two guys miss. It doesn't happen. You end up with the field goal. Missed opportunity. First and goal at the six. You go backwards five yards on the first play. Then you have two plays that don't really succeed. This is one of the things that's the culprit right now on this offense is executing in the red zone, and there it was again. You take the three points, yes, but instead of being up 14-10, it's only a 10-10 game, and it would all end up end up uh, mattering in the middle. All right, let's continue in the highlights late the first half. So Atlanta is back driving the ball, trying to make something happen late in the first half here. They get a couple of completions. Uh, Desmond Ritter is able to find Drake London for 15 yards. Uh, they eventually get pass interference on Christian Izian. So now uh, the Falcons move into scoring range here with an opportunity to maybe put seven on the board or at least three. We're in the final half minute, and here's the way Mean Gene called it with Atlanta trying to run a play from the Buccaneer 11. Ritter looking right into the teeth of that crowd, half wearing cream single, half wearing red. Kicks the leg, awaits the snap, empty backfield. Good snap. Dropping, looking toward the end zone. He is hit. He's crushed. He's the ball is loose. Picked up by the Buccaneers. Antoine Winfield's got it to the 24. How about that quarterback sack? Shaq Barrett on the hit. Tremendous sack fumble in that moment. Great job by him. And Jamel Dean got on the uh, football and a heads-up play by Atlanta tight end Jonu Smith because he saw the ball come out. He saw Dean running towards it. If he doesn't hustle, if he doesn't make the heads-up play to grab Jamel Dean around the waist, tackle him, get him down right away, Dean is probably out the gate because it's only offensive linemen on that side of the field. And I'm taking Jamel Dean every day of the week to take off and go 80 yards maybe in the final seconds of the first half. So again, uh, a heads-up play by the Falcons preserved what could have been a scoop-and-score situation for the Bucs. So you go to the locker room at 10-10 after that takeaway, and you had to feel good at that point that you neutralized the Falcons getting no points. I know I talked to Coach T Todd Bowles at halftime. He said, huge play. Huge play, obviously, from Shaq Barrett to come off the, the left end and get the sack. You, you keep them from scoring anything. They didn't get seven. They, remember now, there was still 25 seconds left. They could have potentially gotten a touchdown from the 11-yard line. They only, not only don't get the touchdown, they don't even get a field goal. Game remains 10-10. We knew that Atlanta was going to get the ball to start the second half, uh, and the Buccaneers did their job. They, they, they get the football back. They stuff the Atlanta Falcons. They get the football back. Atlanta goes three and out. The Bucs have the football now and are going to try to make something happen. They were backed up by the punt. Uh, uh, from it, uh, from Atlanta, and then a holding penalty as well. Penalties are becoming a real problem for this team, by the way. Go all the way back to the win in the Superdome where you had double-digit penalties. Penalties against Detroit. Penalties yesterday, you got to stop self-inflicting. Uh, you can't line up correctly and get a penalty on offense. You got uh, pass interference on defense. You got holding on a kick return. You got a false start where the center doesn't know the snap count, Robert Hainsey, and, and everybody else but him moves because he's not paying attention. You've got to clean that up right now. So the holding penalty on the punt return puts you back at the 10. So you're backed up here. You're trying to make something happen to uh, to get a first down. Atlanta gets an illegal use of the hand, so that's a first down. 
Uh, but then you get you get a good run to Rashad White for 17 yards. It looks like you're going to move the ball, but that comes back because Trey Palmer is holding the Atlanta defender. He's got two handfuls of him. That was a good call. So now on the next play, you're backed up in your own end, and this is disaster right here. And in end around to Devin Tompkins made one guy miss. Trying to wiggle his way back on a block, but can he get he fumble the football inside the 30-yard line? Falcons say they have it. Well, the officials yet to indicate Hopkins is saying it's their ball. Hopkins tried to jump back on that thing. Yeah, the offense is walking off. The Falcons have forced the first turnover by the Buccaneers inside the 30-yard line. Devin Tompkins on a jet sweep. Again, a negative play where Devin Tompkins is trying to do too much. He's too small going into all the big bodies. You want him to stay on the perimeter, stay on the outside. They knock the ball free from him on his second effort. And that's a killer because it gives Atlanta the ball right back. It kills your momentum. They've got a chance to score. And this is where things got interesting because Atlanta looked like they were going to score. Uh, they they are able to make a couple of plays. Uh, they get a first down on a Tyler Algier run to get them into scoring position. Uh, Ritter then uh, finds Drake London on the sideline. And this is the leaping play on the third down where London looks like he not only has the first down, but he looks like he may have scored or did he drop the ball? Did he fumble it out of the end zone? Did it touch the pylon? They review it. The review took about four minutes. They're looking at whether Ritter's uh, right hand is out of bounds before the ball is out. They look, is the ball out? They look, did the ball touch the pylon? They're looking at everything in the New York Command Center. And finally, Ron Tolbert, the referee, announces, okay, the call is that he's out of bounds. Right hand is out of bounds. We can see that clear enough on the replay before he drops the ball. Falcon ball on the one-yard line. So the Bucks, man, that could have been, you know, first and 10 after a touchback at the 20. Instead, the Falcons now have it first and goal at the half-yard line. But how about this gift? How about Christmas coming early right here in the form of Desmond Ritter? Here you go. High formation with a fullback. A pummel football is loose, loose, loose. And the Buccaneers may have come up with it. I think we did. Tampa Bay has forced another takeover inside the red zone. Yeah, that was a fumble on a snap. Looks like Ritter never got it. There are two defenders on that left side coming off the ball. Is it Diaby that came up with it? It is a fumble recovered by the defense. It is. Yeah, that fumble is enormous. A fumbled snap on first and goal at about the the one-yard line, a little inside the one-yard line. Enormous, because once again, just like at the end of the first half, not only do you not get three points, you don't get the seven points that you're at point-blank range, and the game at this stage remains at 10-10 after that fumble. Uh, Incredible. Yaya Diaby jumping on that ball after the fumble, but... Yeah, here was, here was a theme again where, again, you're backed up in your own end. You can't make anything happen on second down. Mike Evans gets eight yards. Rashad White tries to run left. Buccaneers have not been able to run left in weeks in short yardage with eight, you know, seven, eight guys up by the line of scrimmage. And you've got to punt the ball away again. So you punt it away to Atlanta. They move the ball. They are able to uh, get a young way coup field goal. They're able to get the lead at 13-10 uh, late in the third quarter. And once again... Uh, for the Bucks, you're just you're not able to make anything happen on offense after that. You kept putting the defense out on the field. You go three and out again at the end of the uh, uh, third quarter of this game. Uh, just uh, or actually at the beginning of the fourth quarter, you got one first down, I should say. Then you get a penalty uh, holding on Cody Mauk. That backs you up. Uh, you're not able to get anything going besides the first down, and you punt the ball away. So now you're worried because the defense has been on the field for most of the second quarter. 
And for most of the third quarter, and Atlanta starts to move the ball. They uh, get Cordero Patterson, an 18-yard run. Um, you're able to get, uh, well, Tyler Algier caught a 45-yard or actually a 46-yard pass right before that. And that's a play that's a blown coverage. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to name the name. Devin White is in coverage on Algier. Antoine Winfield is blitzing, and Devin White just turns Algier loose like he has deep help, and there's no safety because the safety blitzed. So nobody's on the same page. You're lucky that you got Algier out of bounds because it could have been a 75-yard touchdown. Uh, That just, it can't keep happening where you have blown coverages and people that wide open. It happened there. So the Falcons move into scoring range. Again, Patterson runs for 18 yards. Algier runs for nine yards to get them inside the 10. Now here we go with a first down play here. This is first after a penalty, first and 12 from the 12. Incredible hustle play by Antoine Winfield to run over and swat that ball out of the hand of uh, of Desmond Ritter as he's apparently going to score. Ritter doesn't protect the ball. This has been one of the criticisms of him. His turnovers, interceptions, fumbles. He doesn't protect the ball. He's trying to extend the ball. And Winfield hits his arm, knocks it out, and the ball this time does hit the pylon and go out of the end zone. That's absolutely a touchback, not a touchdown. Here we go again with the Falcons point blank. He is right at the goal line on the first and goal play. I mean, if that ball doesn't go in the end zone and out the end zone, let's say it goes out of bounds, it's going out of bounds at the one-yard line. They're going to have second and goal at the one. They get no points again. Advantage Buccaneers. The Falcons have now had the ball point blank at the one-yard line or going in from the one-yard line twice and get zero out of it. That's incredible to keep the Bucs in the game. All right, so that leads to this. That leads to the Buccaneers trying to move their way back down the field to try to make something happen. And uh, this is an instance we're not going to play the highlight here, but uh, Baker Mayfield knows this. He said this after the game. You're trying to get into scoring range. The game at this stage is 13 to 10. You're looking to retie the game with a field goal here late in the game. And then what can't happen happens, which is Baker Mayfield on a second down play with three and a half minutes to go. You can maybe get a touchdown. You certainly want to protect the field position to kick a field goal and retie the game. Mayfield throws the interception looking for Kate Otten in a double team, a ball that you absolutely cannot throw. You cannot, cannot make that throw. He knows that. He said that after the game. For the circumstances I just laid out, at worst, you're supposed to be tied on a field goal with a money field goal kicker. Maybe you're going to get a touchdown. It's a second down play. And he throws the interception, so that puts you in a world of hurt at this stage. Uh, Then Atlanta tries to run the clock. The Buccaneers get a couple of stops. The Buccaneers call a couple of timeouts. Then I thought it was interesting. On the third and five play, Cordero Patterson got four yards. The Buccaneers are now out of timeouts after taking their third timeout. And I was surprised. I know you're backed up at your own 24-yard line, but Arthur Smith does not go for it because if he gets a first down, the game is basically over there. They can kneel on the ball and end the game. Instead, they punt the ball away, and now the Buccaneers have life, down 13-10, to 10, a chance to make a play or two and maybe get a touchdown to win, if not a field goal to tie. And here is the play that really, I thought in this moment, okay, now you've got momentum. Now you've got the opportunity to make something happen. Let's go back to the way that Mean Gene called this scramble, this improv play by Baker Mayfield. Here's the snap. 
Apple, third down and 10. Mayfield flushed, flushed. He's going to run with the ball. Mayfield's going to keep running. He's in across the 45 to the 50. Outside the numbers for the 40. Inside the 35-yard line. Baker Mayfield runs for a big gain on third down and 10. Longest run of the day comes from the quarterback as he ends up going 31 yards. That's the longest run for Mayfield since his rookie season in Cleveland five seasons ago. And now you're feeling good about can we go get a touchdown after that run, after that tremendous play. Okay, so that now leads after that run to a pass uh, down the middle to Trey Palmer. He's being interfered with. Spot foul down all the way to the nine-yard line on the pass interference. And now you've got first and goal here uh, in this instance down at the, actually down at the eight-yard line. You're all the way down to the eight-yard line. Uh, Baker tries to find Chris Godwin in the left flat. He's covered up. It's incomplete. Then uh, then Mayfield eventually takes a sack on third down. On that second down play, he did have Rashad White open early. Didn't see him in the flat. Uh, and maybe Rashad White's going to get down to the three-yard line or the two-yard line before there's contact. It just didn't happen. There were two or three times when Baker missed people that were open in the red zone. Um, the third down play, too, where he is sacked on third and goal at the eight. Chris Godwin breaks open uh, in the middle of the end zone, kind of floating right. He does break free, but Mayfield doesn't see him. He's kind of dancing around. He's got the pass rush in his face. He takes the sack. And now this this becomes a critical moment. You backed up 10 more yards. You got to retie the game, which you do right here. 49 seconds left out of the hold of Jake Camarda at the 26-yard line, 36-yard field. Low snap, the kick is airborne. It's got the plenty of distance, and we are tied at 13. Fire the cannons three times. Bucks 13, Falcons 13. So the 36-yard field goal by Kyle, uh, by uh, Chase McLaughlin ends up retying the game at 13. You would have loved to have had seven. You take the 13 here. You're looking at overtime looming. Defense has to get a stop. Falcons did have all their timeouts left. And now this is the unfortunate thing that everybody's dissecting day after the game. Sunday night they were dissecting it. We're still dissecting it. How does a pass play like this happen against your zone defense when you're dropping seven guys? But here is, in fact, what happened. Uh, at the end of this one to Kyle Pitts, the former Florida Gator. Second down from the 25-yard line. Deep safety, Antoine Winfield dropping Ritter. Ritter throws. It is a caught ball. Sideline outside the numbers. Kyle Pitts to the 40. He's to the 35, and he's out of bounds. My goodness, the Buccaneers let loose the best tight end in the NFC South, I believe. And that guy made the catch and then got 15 more yards. And the Falcons are in field goal range right now for Young Way Koo. You're going to hear more from Todd Bowles about this coming up as, uh, my goodness, what what can you say that uh, you got three guys around him, including uh, underneath and a safety over the top, and you let him not only catch the ball, but get around you and get 20 more yards after the catch. Get into field goal range. I realize Atlanta still had timeouts and they still had more than 30 seconds left on the clock, but make them earn it a little more than that. Uh, and that leads to this. They bleed the clock with one more run. They set things up. And now Young Wei Koo, who had won the Houston game two weeks earlier, who has been a money kicker for the Atlanta Falcons. This was not a given. 51 yards on the turf, on the left hash for the win. The holder is Bradley Pinion. The snapper is Liam McCullough. Good snap. The spot is down. The kick is airborne. It is long enough. It is long enough. And it is good! With no time left, the Falcons have defeated the Buccaneers and move into first place in the NFC South. 16-13 is the final score.
And they carry him off the field in victory on a 51-yard field goal, as Mean Gene called it there. What a downer. Atlanta made the plays, folks. You were fortunate to still be in a position to win that game when they fumble on their own on a fumbled snap. Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, we're talking about at the one-yard line in the third quarter, and he fumbles again on a touchdown that's going to make the game 20-10. to 10. Antoine Winfield, great hustle play, yes, but Ritter doesn't protect the ball. They gave away at least six, if not 10, 14 points there. You still had your chances, and Atlanta finds a way to win it with the field goal to improve to four and three, and it's now the first time the Buccaneers have been out of first place the whole season after the opening win in Minnesota as the Bucs drop to three and three in this one. Uh, credit Atlanta. All right. I- immediately after the game, let's get into the interviews. And then our guest rock Riley will help dissect this game and look ahead of the Buffalo game uh, coming up. All right. So after it's over with Baker Mayfield, tough day, that late interception, not able to get in the end zone late in the game, either having to settle for the field goal, then watching the field goal by the Falcons go through for the win. Here was Baker on our Hooters post game show on 98 rock and our Buccaneer stations immediately after this was done. What did this game come down to ultimately? Uh, just little things. Too many penalties on offense. Hurt ourselves. Um, not not getting points in the red zone. Obviously, any turnover in the red zone, that one's on me. So it, it's just uh, giving up points and, and hurting ourselves with all the penalties we had today. Let's go to the final drive. First of all, positive. You got a 31-yard gain where the, the middle of the defense seemed to open up. Describe what you did on the play, if you would. Um, yeah, just a full flow concept. Everything's going from uh, the right side of the field over to the left. And as I'm going through my reads, just kind of feel that flow of the defense and take off. Um, but just got to find a way down there with, with a couple of plays before we had to kick the field goal to get the ball in the end zone. Difficult circumstance because they have all their timeouts left. You're trying to work the clock. You're also trying to maybe get a touchdown. And then they're able to get the stops at the end. Do you just credit Atlanta for getting those stops once you were in the red zone? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we're, we're really close. Uh, just uh, they played well when they needed to. So, yeah, credit Atlanta. Hats off to them. And how big a challenge to be right back on the field Thursday night in Buffalo? Uh, can't let one thing carry over into another. So we've got to handle this like professionals and move on and, and uh, go play for each other on Thursday night. 27 of 42, 275 yards, the touchdown, the interception for Mayfield. Uh, and there were some throws that were there to be made. Uh, didn't see some guys that were open, maybe held the ball a little long. Again, the interception, that's, I, I mean, I've done this for so long and, and know this, and Baker knows this, you cannot make that throw. That's that's the kind of those are killers. The fact that you got a reprieve from that, you should be grateful for because Atlanta could have run the clock out from that. But in any event, it's a tough defeat. That's for sure. Not a lot of conversations being had in that Buccaneer uh, postgame locker room on our Hooters postgame show. But here was Mike Evans with the early touchdown and trying to make sense of a second straight uh, defeat off the bye week. Here you go. You don't want to lose at all, especially at home. I think all, all the losses have been at home. We have to do a better job of protecting our home field. Um, hard fall game t- towards the end, um, but that's completely on me and the offense. Yeah, six points last week, just 13 this week. Is that kind of what's getting you? And I, we, I, we had a lot of explosives this week. Yeah. It felt like a lot of big plays to be had. They, they, they start going more too high shell in the second half, which was smart, but you know, we have to do a better job of not getting penalties and staying disciplined. Mike, back in the first half, can you describe your touchdown real quick uh, on the first half play? Uh, it was one-on-one coverage. Bake did a great job of looking off the safety and throwing a great ball. Was it there a couple of other times as well today down the field, or how much do you credit Atlanta for trying to take the deep stuff away? 
I mean, they gave us man-to-man opportunities. I mean, they have some good corners, so they played man you know, throughout the game. M- more too high and covered two in the second half, but they still played man. Um, we just didn't get to them. Is this a game that comes down to neither team really making the key play to get a touchdown, both teams still alive in the final couple minutes? They won the game, so they made enough plays, obviously. Um, you know, we made plays at the end to tie it, but we wanted to go score a touchdown, uh, and we didn't do that. So we definitely have to work harder and be better. Six catches, 82 yards for Mike Evans. The 40-yard touchdown was part of that. Just not enough offense, not enough output here to keep up with Atlanta uh, to put touchdowns on the board. Again, going back to the Philadelphia game, it's 11 points there. It's six points against the Lions. It's 13 points against the Falcons. I'm not a math major. That's 30 points in three home games. That's 10 points a game. Not nearly enough. It's a real struggle. And we'll get into this more with Rock Riley coming up in a little bit about what he thinks. More, more to the point, here's the man that matters the most, the head coach. What did he think on our Hooters postgame show after this defeat to the Atlanta Falcons? Coach, this was a tough ball game with turnovers, opportunities for both teams. Overall, what are your thoughts immediately after this one? Got to be able to execute better in situational football on both sides, defensively in two minutes, offensively in the red zone. And we committed way too many penalties on offense to even move the ball any. Okay, for the positives, they're trying to score. Desmond Ritter's down at the goal line. Antoine Winfield makes a great hustle play, swats at the ball that he has in his outstretched hand. That is a key moment to keep the game 13-10. Describe to me from what you've seen. I know it was on the other corner of the field. Describe to me about that play and how big it was in that moment. Just a heck of a play by him. Kept points off the board, kept it a a three-point game, gave our offense a chance to go down the field. All right, you get the ball back with around five minutes to go in the game or thereabouts. They had some timeouts. Actually, I think you got the ball back with about four minutes left, something like that. Baker Mayfield gets a 31-yard run through the middle. You now get the ball after a penalty inside the red zone, but you're not able to get the touchdown. How much do you credit the Falcons for being able to keep you out of the end zone there? That's a good job on their part, keeping us out the end zone, but we got to be able to get in the end zone and win that ball game right there. That's critical for us. Okay, on the play to Pitts, I know you have not seen Coach's tape. From best of what you saw, how did he get in the zone and how did he make that play that helped set up the field goal? I saw everything when it happened. I know exactly what happened on that play. We got to be better in coverage from that standpoint, from an awareness standpoint. We ran it 50 times in practice. There's no way we should give up that play. This is a tough one. Obviously, off the loss to the Lions, how do you regroup and how do you do it so quickly because you've got to be right back on the field now coming up with the Buffalo Bills? It's all about the attitude, the guys and the coaches in that locker room. We know it's about us, and we can't play Buffalo plus Tampa. we got to correct Tampa, and we got to focus on the things we need to focus on to get ready for Buffalo. Do have to regroup and get right back on the field for the Buffalo Bills. Thursday night football in Western New York as we get ready for that one. We'll be, uh, we'll be traveling to Buffalo Wednesday. you got to put this behind you. Too many, too many missed opportunities, and again, an offense that's got to find itself. And, and a point that I'm going to bring up with Rock Riley here is you now have a lot of game tape out there on Dave Canales' offense, and how do you adjust? We're going to talk about that here in just a couple of moments. A couple of other final numbers. Inability to run the football. How apparent is that? 17 carries, 41 yards from the running backs. Baker Mayfield had 32 yards in the game, 31 of it on that one long scramble. By contrast, Atlanta's running backs in the game had 22 carries, and finished with 120 yards, six yards a carry, ripping off some long runs in the second half against a tired Buccaneer defense. Three Atlanta turnovers, though, kept you in the game. You got some takeaways, but you also gave it away twice in the second half with the Tompkins fumble and the Baker Mayfield interception. So 
Turnovers were big, but not scoring touchdowns are also big. When you kept getting in the red zone and not getting touchdowns in this game either. All right, so uh, Atlanta again wins it. You'll see the Falcons again later in the year in the ATL coming in late November. So we look forward to seeing what happens in the rematch there. A lot of football still to go. Let's get some more insight from a guest right now on Nothing But Bucks to help me with the breakdown. The guy that's been around in this market for a long time and has a lot of great insight. As promised, I saw him yesterday. I love seeing him, being around him, his energy. He's been in this market for 30 years, practically, uh, watching everything that goes on with the Bucks. Hello, Rock Riley, and it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the Nothing But Bucks podcast, our official recap podcast on the Buccaneers mobile app and Buccaneers.com. Uh, I, I wish we were talking under a better circumstance where the offense was at least showing something, but here we are. Thank you for doing this, first of all. Oh, it's my pleasure to, you know, Buck sideline guy. You know, I started out when we did a little podcast uh, playing a week or two. It's like over two decades. He's been controlling these sidelines yes. on Raymond James Stadium. But anyway, no, you're right. I wish it was under better circumstances, but you know what? This is sports and we got to call it like it is. Uh, and you and you have been doing a great job with this throughout your career. Bay News 9. Uh, now you uh, hear Rock on his podcast, the Rock Stops Here podcast. You hear him all the time on 95.3 WDAE. Uh, he is a stalwart in this market, in the media, TV, radio. So I love your insight. All right, everybody wants to know, why can this team not score points, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Give me the Rock Riley insight. What do you see? What are you not seeing as to why we've seen three consecutive home games with the Eagles, the Lions, and the Falcons with 11 points, 6 points, and 13 points? What's up from what you see or don't see? You know, it seems to me like I honestly think it's somewhat of more of a mental thing now. I think that they seem to be even pressing. I'm at the practices, and when we go to practices, for those that don't know it at NFL, the Bucks are similar to all other teams around the league. You only see about 20 minutes. You see when they all do their stretching, then they go into their position groups. So what that means is the quarterbacks with Canales and they'll have two centers that are snapping. Then they'll throw to coaches. Then you'll see the offensive line go over there, the D line linebackers, things like that. So when I'm watching and I've been watching all training camp and everything Mayfield, you know, arm looks good. Decisions seem fine. Canales is barking out the, the everything. And early in the year, he looked very, very confident. And now it's one of those things. It's only human nature. When you're really trying really hard, you seem to be pressing a little bit. And I think that that's what Mayfield seems to be doing. He's got to elude the rush and he does a good job at that. Look, last year was a different year, but I remember Tom Brady he had gotten it out second to the fastest, like two years ago, be, uh, behind um, Pittsburgh Steelers legend Ben um, um, Big Ben. Then he was right, getting, right. yeah. He, last year he was getting it out even a half second faster than he always did. So you bring in a new offensive line, and I know we're well into the season. You shouldn't be saying that at this point, but it is a new offensive line. You have Hainsey at center. It isn't a Ryan Jensen, okay? The interior, Cody Mock, he's going to be good, but he's got to get a little bit bigger, and he's going up against guys that are coming at him with some power. So in return, Mayfield is having to a little bit. He's always eluding, and he doesn't have that much time. 
He is a gunslinger. I remember during training camp, there would be times where Mayfield would try to thread the needle, even when a DB was covering his receiver. And then he, he actually kind of got away from that. And now I think, I really honestly think that they are pressing. That's, that's what it kind of seems like to me, these last two games. And I think all of that is well said. Can I add on to that, that you now had going into yesterday, five games on tape. You now have six games on tape. So how much of this is first-year play caller, and you've got to self-scout and adjust to what isn't working well for you, or when other teams see what is working well and they take it away, what's your, you and I love boxing, what's your counterpunch to the counterpunch, Rock Riley? How much of that is bogging the offense down that you now have six games on tape? I think that it, you I think that is number 1. I think you hit it on the head because when they came in first game, second game, defensive coordinator, they had no idea what Canales was going to do. Yeah, there was a lot of motions, this and that, but now that they've seen that, what does Canales do? What does his staff? I was in uh the hallway when they came off the field uh and I saw Dave Canales and he just went like, he just took a big, deep breath. He walked right by me and just like, okay, now, now he's seeing it too. Like they know what we got coming and everybody is going to try to take away Godwin and Mike Evans. Uh, but Mike Evans there, they knew that going in. Canales has always said that to us. And so is Evans. He's like, and I'm in always fairness, getting- if I can interrupt, they got a deep ball to Evans for a touchdown early cool. in the game. So that's best yeah. case scenario. It's not like Mike was neutralized the whole game yesterday. They got him a long one early rock. You know, that I like seeing that. And I, I, I said that to the other reporters who were in the press box to me, because I had been getting a hit up by a lot of people saying, Oh, Mayfield can't hit the deep ball. Mayfield can't hit the deep ball. I'm like, no, he can hit the deep ball. They hadn't taken a lot of shots. And on that one, that was a perfect throw. And that was a perfect catch. And I think honestly, Mike Evans needed that when he talks to us uh, during the week, you can just sense, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if it's kind of frustration. Is it because of, he didn't get the long-term deal. Is it because he's not getting more targets? He's a, now I will say this. He is a team guy. It's not like he is a whiny diva. Like so many NFL receivers are. No, I'm not saying that, but it just seems like he's kind of, I don't know, man. He's always the first one off the field. And I think that was huge to get him that long touchdown. And then what can you say about Godwin? Godwin still, he is steady Eddie over the middle. Um, we're still trying to see, is it a Trey Palmer? Is it still a Devin Tompkins? What about Rakeem Jarrett? Again, we're still, we're still fairly early in the season, but I think bubble, right. you, you hit it on the head. What are they going to do now? You got to, you got to, you got to do something, change it up. Now, when Canales talked last week, his reasoning was with the offense and the play calling, we're giving a lot of variety of plays to our offense. Now we believe we are going to be in the postseason, and we don't want to give opposing coordinators defense everything that they, you know, all the same stuff now, because when we get to the playoffs, they'll be like, oh, we got to figure it out. Honestly, I think Dave Canales is still learning on the job. And he is. He's never called plays before. So honestly, TJ, he's still learning with, 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 with the fire coming in. Yeah, and, and you make a great point. Teams will talk about this. There are things you will see in week 10 that they've been practicing all the way back since training camp, but they ain't rolled it out until week 10. 
on purpose or week right. 12. Now, generally, you're not going to go more than about 12 games without running things that you've been practicing over and over and over again, but you will hold back for later in the year. That's a good point. One more thing, then I want to move to the defense with Rock Riley. By the way, you can find him on social media at Real Rock Riley. The Rock Stops Here is the podcast. Rock, again, is a 30-year right at it veteran <laughs> of the Tampa Bay media and Buccaneers. I mean, we're talking about going all the way back to Sam Weich, <laughs> move forward to Tony Dungy, John Gruden. This man's been around all of it. Uh, we, there are some of us that are still left. <laughs> that are in the media that have been around for all of this. Uh, now moving into Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, Tom Brady, and all of that. Um, so in Canales' defense, as yes. a play caller, we yes. saw draw plays Sunday against the Falcons that we really had not seen. We saw a concerted right. effort three or four times, hit them with the draw, and here we go back to chicken and the egg. Is it the play call or is it the blocking up front? Because, again, a play caller is trying something different and Rock, for the most part, there were not holes there even right. on the draw play, on the different no. play call. Follow up on that. There is. The the look, they gotta they they changed their blocking scheme for those that were here, like a Tristan Wirfs, and even Hainsey was here. Um, and I honestly think like looking up high, you're down in the sidelines, but mm -hmm. when you're up high in that press box, you can see. I would say maybe 10% of the time there's been a hole. That's about it. Honestly. That means 90% of the time, there's oh, nowhere to run. No. Like the old song, nowhere to run to, baby, nowhere to hide. There's nowhere <laughs> right. to run. Right. So I don't know. I'm trying to look for the positive. And I, I like, you know, I, I like the coaching staff. And, and you know, what can they do? Is is Mark going to get better as the season goes on? Tristan Wirfs has been incredible. To mm -hmm. move over to the left side, have you seen the PFF grades he's yep. like the top rated tackle in all the nfl as expected over. as expected but so, you bring up the point that everybody's talking about this week on the interior from filer to hainsey yeah. and over to cody mock you've got to be better or else you're not going to be able to run the ball dave moore keeps talking about get off get off the ball get to your guy first first hit block them get low get off get off he said the get off he said it again yesterday the get off is not there and it's got to be there for this to get any better. All right, move over to the defense. Okay. A little bit more negative, unfortunately. Then we'll get to some positive. We got a Thursday night game with Buffalo that I want to talk to you about. Yes. This team continues to struggle on third down and third down and long. And now uh, the stats are the stats. They're now the worst team in the NFL on third and long. Again, you've been doing this for a long time. Th this is not the Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, Rondé Barber, and all those guys' defenses. We get that. We understand that. What has to be better right now on third down? What are you seeing again? What are you not seeing on third down for this team to help themselves? Yeah, you know what? It Everything I always equate to, it it honestly does start up front. If you're building a house and you can, you can order the most beautiful fixtures, if you're an old schooler, chandeliers, I don't think they do wallpaper <laughs> anymore. You can have a nice man cave upstairs, but if you got a bad foundation and it's cracking, it's not holding up, you're not going to have a good house. So I always go starting up front. I think they need a little bit more. There's, there's flashes where Vita does very, very good. Okay. You've got a couple of, I honestly think Kalijah Kansi is going to be a stud. You talk about get off, and I was looking at the yeah. all 22, and even yesterday, he gets off quick. He's quicker than anybody else. That's good. But 
Levante David is, you look at his numbers. He had a good game yesterday. Devin White did not. Mm. Devin White has so much talent. He shows you a really, really good stretch of two or three games. And then he doesn't have a good game. We were over at his locker yesterday asking about what was going on at the end of the game. Why were they able to move the change? And he was saying they give Falcons some credit on their game plan. They were switching things on and off that we were going on the fly that we had not seen on film. Well, you know what? That's going to happen in the end. NFL. So I can't for the life of me figure out why with a veteran, this is a veteran group. And I even include uh Joe Tryon Shoyinka, you know, mm -hmm. on the outside, Shaquille Barrett. These guys have been around. I don't know why. It shouldn't be. They know the system. We I've talked to some players on during the week when I go around the locker room and they're like, we don't have to react uh, think. We can react. We know Todd Bowles' system. It's not like he's bringing cra crazy. Todd, and Todd Bowles said after the game in the press conference, and he said it to us on Buccaneers Radio, we practiced that coverage, he said, 15 times this week on the Kyle Pitts play. So to your point about how much better can you coach it, how many more times do you have to practice it before the 11 that are on the field execute the defense that you've been practicing, that's maddening. That's why I often joke, and you know this, coaches go through gallons of Maalox. They have all their hair fall out like the Buck sideline guy. Uh, it takes years off your life because you work on this stuff and you come to Sunday and it doesn't happen. I come down in this regard. you got to be one of two things. Either you've got to be a tremendous pass rushing team that's getting after the quarterback, including right. with the blitz, right. or you got to be a coverage team. Right, right now, is it fair to say they're lost kind of in the yes. middle of that? They're yes. not a great pass rushing team. And when you drop coverage, they're still open receivers and third and longs getting converted. You got to be one or the other moving forward, do you not? Yeah, you, perfect, because you know what we're seeing a lot? Boy, a lot, of, a lot of stuff is open over the middle. Just what you're talking about. And especially on third down, it's like, oh, my God. I also think it all kind of works together. I know a lot of times we like to focus. Okay, we'll focus just on the run game. How come that's not working? How come the offense isn't scoring points? How come the defense now? I think because the offense is last or at the bottom in scoring. Yes. There that so when the defense is out there, it's it's in their mind like, wow, wow, you know, we gotta we gotta stop all the time. If they would catch a break, if the offense would have a game where they have maybe 35 points, I guarantee you that would help the defense. I think it all works in conjunction. And right now all the phases are just not working at all together, TJ. All right. So that leads us to the final component. Oh, you're on the field Thursday night with the Buffalo Bills. Now, I will be the first one to say this. Um, you don't know what to expect week to week in this league. Right. Uh, I mean, go figure right. that Detroit, who looked so good seven days earlier in Tampa, just got demolished in a second straight road game in Baltimore. This Buffalo team that we're about to play goes and plays a one in five New England team that for all intents and purposes outside looks like they're giving up. They're awful, and they can't score on New England for much of the game until the fourth quarter, and they get beat. So now they come in on a dour note at home. What are your thoughts on what we expect here on the Bucs trying to get it together? There is a fair argument that the Bucs have pulled it together on the road a couple of times already this year in Minnesota and New Orleans. Gauge it for me, Rock Riley. Give me a little optimism. What, what can Thursday look like and be different to the positive? All right. 
Baker Mayfield is playing for not only he's playing for another contract by the Buccaneers, he's playing for his NFL career. And I know that he he has got to be. He was boy, you could see it in his eyes when he came out. He thought everything was good. His wife said he loves living here. This is the happiest he's been. He loves his teammates. I don't know. You probably saw this. They were going over to him in the locker room, pumping him up, giving him a high five. It wasn't like like they are still behind him because we got a lot of Gator fans and I get it about Trask. And I'm like, hold on. It's not all <laughs> Baker Mayfield. But when we went in that locker room after we heard from Baker Mayfield yesterday, I had never seen that before because they got the Thursday night game. They had those pads that were down that were electric and they were laying on those to try to get their the lactic acid out of their muscles. I also saw, I think I counted like nine stationary bikes. I saw mm -hmm. Vita on it. I saw Tristan Wirfs. They're all ready because they got to hurry up and get like move everything and up. Let's, to get... and let's elaborate on that. Cause I haven't yeah. touched on, on what we both saw in there. That is to help exactly right with muscle soreness, lactic acid, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of that is stuff that they would do typically on Monday. You don't have six days to get ready, which is what your point is. You've got to be ready for Buffalo. Literally, as we put this podcast out in about 85 hours, you got to be ready to play again. So they were doing some of that. Uh, after the game, and I, I just—I mean, you got to get off to a better start. That's—that's the—I mean, they let Atlanta drive down the field and score on them. You—you're struggling on offense to get a touchdown in the first half. You got the one long one to Evans, but I think one of the common problems that there's been uh, over the course of the last month is the start—the first yes. quarter, the first three or four series. How big is the start Thursday night with the Bills? It's huge. It's everything. It's like if you're trying to climb up. I got up a little bit later than usual today. It was a crazy weekend, and it's like, oh, I got to do this. Oh, I still got to make the bed. Oh, I'm over there, and it feels like you just can't. I just can't get ahead. Then I got your call. I'm like, all right, boom. I'm right here for TJ. But yes, that would help things because I honestly, I know a lot of people. You know how it goes. Pat McAfee does the overreaction Monday, and and you know how it goes. We overreact. And I felt like it too. I don't know if you felt like it. Okay. It was a tough loss. They only lost an overtime and, and, but to the Falcons. All right. But this one felt like they have lost like four or five in a row. Gotta, you, they, they, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a couple of the players got to speak something, something in that locker room this week. They got to do it. They're not that bad. That was not a fluke what they did against New Orleans. No. You're three and one. Oh, who'd you play? It's the NFL. You're three and one. You won three games with a new offensive system, with guys that hadn't gelled yet. So we're still not, it's not too late yet. This is a big opportunity. And you're right, TJ. For some reason, they play better on the road. I asked Canales the first couple of games, like, you're in Minnesota. That's pretty loud with the skull. They didn't have any pre-snap penalties. They, they 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 had it down. They can do it. Maybe they're better off with hand signals. Maybe it's that, but hopefully, hopefully it is. Well, we'll find out come uh, Thursday. Maybe it's Levante David, to your point, that stands up and, and is yeah. heard. Maybe it's yeah. Chris Godwin, somebody yeah. other than Baker Mayfield. Maybe it's Tristan yeah. Wirfs yeah. that stands up uh, yep. because yep. we've seen that before. And I'll just relay one more. You love when I get nostalgic. I still I remember. Well, let's go back to 2011, where you lose the throwback orange game, the New Orleans. You lose it in the final seconds. I still say this all the time, and you're going to remember this. I'm going to jog your memory. It is the only Buccaneer game ever, and it may be the only game ever in the NFL before 
or since then where the team has the apparent game-winning touchdown on two plays in a row to end the game, and both times the receiver was out of the end zone and came back in and couldn't catch the ball. The first time it was Vincent Jackson. He's out of the back of the end zone. He came back in. He's got the apparent game-winning touchdown with like five seconds left, and they say, no, it's a penalty. It's, it's illegal touching. He was out of the end zone. The final play of the game where you had to have a touchdown, you threw one to Mike Williams. We're ready to celebrate. Again, there's flags all over the field. He's out of the end zone. They pushed him out of the end zone before he caught the winning touchdown. All right, down or loss, awful. My point is, four nights later, you were in the Metrodome in Minnesota with Josh Freeman and Doug Martin uh, and and, uh, Gerald McCoy and all of those guys. And a lot of people said, you're going to get blown out. You're going to get blown out by Adrian Peterson and by the Minnesota Vikings. And the Bucs played fantastic on four days notice and won the game. So I just relate that analogy. I realize it was 10 years ago. All of the players, I'm recollecting, all the players are gone. The coaching staff is different. All the players are gone. But there's an example of 10 years ago where most everybody thought you have no shot to win that game, Rock, on Thursday night football, and they went and did it. So now you got to regroup, and maybe maybe something similar happens Thursday night in Buffalo one more time. Look at last year, the long trip to Munich, Germany. Where you were struggling. You were struggling. They played fantastic. Right. That's how they started that darn Country Roads thing. But anyway. um, I don't know how long Country Roads is going to (laughs) last if we can't ever win a game in the fourth quarter. That's three straight losses. Move that out. Move that out. Move that out. But you know what? Uh, It's funny. I remember years ago. Here you go. Brad Johnson was the quarterback. It was after they had won the Super Bowl. It was that next year. Everybody thought they were going to do it. I was going to bet my. I said, I'll bet my whole paycheck of Bay News 9. They're starting in the link. Or the new, yeah, the Lincoln Financial. Oh, they got everybody back. They won that game. They're going to go so far. I didn't even make the playoffs. So, and right. Brad Johnson, I remember that year I was in the locker room after a game. And he looked at me and he's like, you know, what are you going to say about this game? I said, oh, Brad, he goes, you cannot go back to what a team did even in the week before in the NFL. There used to be a talk show host, Chris Thomas, no freaking logic with That's the right. NFL. It That's is right. crazy. So no. And when I picked them, and I, now I think like, oh, they're going to Buffalo. Oh, the Bills are going to be mad. Oh, it's going to be up there. Oh, there's no way. Maybe I should say that they're probably going to win this game. Wouldn't that? Wouldn't that? Wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be nice? Somebody try to explain it because week to week we see crazy, crazy things happen in this league. All right, we'll find out what happens Thursday. What I do know happens on a regular basis is the Rock Stops Here podcast. Promote away on that. Where else we're hearing you? Where else we're seeing you? Again, I love this man's insight. Go. All right, the Rock Stops Here podcast, Rock Riley. You can Google it. It's on all platforms, Apple, Spotify. I've got TJ coming up the week after <laughs> next. Okay. Starting tomorrow, I have t- baseball, a Todd Frazier, the Todd father. He was a go. Little League World Series champion, and then he played so many years, two-time All-Star, and he's coaching his kids. He was here at the awesome. Trop, so I got a baseball. Awesome. He's good. But then then the following week, next week, TJ Reeves, the life of Buck's sideline guy. How did he get the gig? What What's did the I hardest say to part? you? We've already taped this. Let's pull the veil back for a second. What did I say to you about where we earn our money? Losing locker rooms. Uh-huh. You don't think I was earning my money yesterday, babe, after that after that finish where Young Way Koo bangs it through from 51 yards out and you lose at home? So, yes, it was a privilege to talk with you about that. But everybody thinks that sideline locker room thing is is uh, 
all wine and no, roses and chocolates no, and then go no. in there after losses. You know that. You know. And, that. and you know what? Like fans, fans don't realize fan is short for fanatic. So I understand that. I love passion of fans and especially Buccaneer fans that live and die. But you go in there. That's their job. That's their career. That's all that they worked at all day. And they had a bad day. How would you like it if you had a bad day at the office? <laughs> you screwed something up. And TJ's your there boss with a wireless is, microphone. <laughs> and then you come out of the, and you go into your car and you go, what happened to you? How come you didn't do that on third down? How come you guys lost again? What are you going to do now? So it's not easy. And TJ does a great job. And a lot of times there'll be a whole bunch of reporters around. He's live. He'll come over and he always says, we're live on the Buccaneers radio network just to let them know. And boom, yeah, you protect do your the job. F bombs, right? Protect Dude. the F bombs. Exactly. Oh, is that why it is? But you do a great job on that TJ. Seriously. Uh, uh, listen, I appreciate that again, this man, whether it's Bay news nine, you hear him on the radio on 95, three, uh, WDA, the Buccaneer station, uh, whether it's the rock stops here podcast, however I can help you, wherever I can help you. We're still hanging around, brother. We're still hanging around from the nineties. There are not a lot of us left. We're still hanging around from the 90s. You mean? No, I wasn't. No, me, no, I wasn't me, even born then. I don't me, know what Gene you're talking Deckerhoff, about. Gene Deckerhoff, Rick Stroud. <laughs> I mean, there's not there's not many that can say they were around for Sam Weich and around for the beginning of Tony Dungy and the changing of the uniforms and all of that stuff. But we were all around then. Keep up the great work. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for hanging with me on the Nothing But Bucks podcast here on the Buccaneers mobile app and Buccaneers.com. I always love the insight. Let's do it again at Let's a happier it. time, Rock Riley. But I, would I appreciate love it. it here. Thank you, TJ. So there you go. Great stuff. Love that man. Uh, a true pros pro um, and, and has been covering Tampa Bay sports and specifically the Buccaneers for the better part of 30 years. Love Rock Riley. Follow him at Real Rock Riley on social media. The Rock Stops Here is his podcast. You hear him on the radio locally. You've seen him on TV. Again, that Bay News 9 sports connection was like appointment TV to watch and get all the reaction to all the teams, all the Tampa Bay teams back in the 90s and the 2000s and the early 2010s as part of what was uh, Bright House, now Spectrum Cable. Rock was on that forever. Love that, man. Love Rock Riley. I appreciate his insight. Okay, Buccaneer fans, only one thing that we can do. And that's get ready for the Buffalo Bills. The Atlanta situation is over. We put this podcast to bed, and it won't be long before the Bucs are back on the field at what's now called Highmark Stadium. It used to be Rich Stadium uh, in Buffalo. Then it was Ralph Wilson Stadium for the former owner. Now it's the sponsor. It's Highmark Stadium, the same facility. They've remodeled it some. They're going to have a new stadium in Buffalo in years to come. Construction beginning on that soon. They hope to have it open by 2026. We'll see on building that new stadium. Uh, so Highmark Stadium is where we will be in Western New York. The Bills, off an awful performance for most of the game against the Patriots, lost to the 1-5 Patriots in New England early on Sunday. The Bills, who also lost in England to the Jaguars. They lost in England to the Jaguars. They lost to New England to the Patriots in Foxborough. So now they are smarting from that. The Buffalo offense really struggling in the first half of games. Somebody's got to get well in this one. It may be another low-scoring game, but let's see the Bucs put a couple of touchdowns on the board in the first half of this game and put some pressure on against Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and company uh, in Buffalo as they are smarting off the defeat. We will be on the air with Buccaneers Radio at 7 uh, Eastern time, seven Eastern time. We'll be talking Buccaneer football from Western New York, head there Wednesday, be there on Thursday night, kickoff just after eight 15 
It is on Amazon Prime TV if you're trying to watch with the sound down. So if you have Amazon Prime, it is streaming there. Also, Fox 13 in the Tampa Bay area will be the local television outlet under the NFL rules. The visiting team has to have a local outlet besides just the cable outlet that's showing the game on Thursday night. So, again, Fox 13 will show the game on Thursday. Turn the sound down here. Gene, Dave, and me call the game uh, as well. Uh, for Thursday night football, the Bucks and the Buffalo Bills, the Buccaneers traveling into Buffalo for the first time since Jameis Winston and company under Dirk Cutter were there back in, uh, what, 2017 that that took place back then. So now we're back there here for this matchup with the Bills coming on Thursday night. Short week, and obviously we'll be back with a Nothing But Bucks recap podcast after that game on Friday afternoon, Friday lunchtime, Friday afternoon. When we get back from Buffalo, we'll put all of this together with the highlights, with the post-game interviews, guests, etc. We're here after each and every Buccaneer game. So right away, we're playing Thursday on four days' notice, three days from now as we release this podcast. Four days from now, you'll get another edition of Nothing But Bucks immediately after it's done with all your highlights and post-game interviews. For now, my thanks again, as always, to Jason Berenger. Also an assist to John Mamola of uh, 95.3 WDAE, the sports station, for helping out with the highlights and the interviews. J- uh, Jeff Ryan's our director of broadcasting. Thanks again to Rock Riley for being a special guest. Keep your chin up, Buccaneer fans. 11 games remain. Plenty of time to get wins and stay playoff relevant. Can it happen? As I shared with Rock Riley, they went and won a huge Thursday night game back a long time ago, a decade ago, when everybody thought, oh, you're going to get beat in the Metrodome. Will that happen in Buffalo Thursday night? Oh, it would be sweet. Sweet for the post-game show. Sweet for the recap podcast if the Bucs can get it. We'll find out. Buccaneers and Buffalo Bills. That is coming on Thursday. We are back on Friday with the newest edition of the Nothing But Bucks podcast. 